Hey there, and welcome back to Don't IEP Alone with Lisa Leitner from A Day in Our Shoes. Um, let's dig in. I It's hard when you're starting a podcast, um, especially after you've had a blog for you know almost 10 years, and there's hundreds and hundreds of blog posts on there about various components of the IEP process. Um, so it's hard to say, like, well, where should I start? Where do, where do you start? You know, what's what's the first real podcast going to be about? Um, and that's hard. So this is what I decided because it's, it's a common question or issue that comes up with parents. And that is, um, you know, what's the one thing? Because I find in the Facebook group and, you know, on my email and even when I meet people in person, you know, they'll say, oh, I, yeah, great. That's what you do. Oh, you're an IEP advocate. Great. I have, I have a meeting coming up. Um, what can I ask for? Or what's the one thing I should know? Or what is one piece of advice that you would give me? And if you are waist deep in the IEP world, like I am, and know all the various intricacies, you know that there's not ever just one thing. Um, you have to be engaged 24 7 365 and you have to look at the big picture there's never just one thing um when kevin was a baby and he was still in zero to three programming um you know it's it's that whole thing you don't know what you don't know and for for any of us regardless of at what age we our child had to enter this, this, um, IEP or special ed or, um, what do they call zero to three? Um, oh, early intervention. Regardless of what age you, you enter this, this process, you, you're a beginner. So for me, that came very early as Kevin started getting evaluated for things at six months of age. Um, but you don't know what you don't know. And he was evaluated and, he qualified for just about everything and they just said you know this is our model and our model is that we do an hour of PT OT speech and oh and a teacher they sent out an an early childhood education special ed teacher or whatever to the home Um, and actually I was still when he was a baby I was still working outside of the home Um, so all these people went to his daycare and they'd go to his daycare once a week for an hour or, you know, meet with him for 45 minutes. And then they'd write up their daily sheets for 15 and they'd leave the da- daily sheet behind. And um, his daycare provider would sometimes, you know, give me a little blurb on, you know, oh, so-and-so was here today and this is what they did. Um, and I'd read those daily sheets as far as, you know, what sounds they worked on or what skills they worked on. But I mean, he was an inf- I mean, he started services at six or eight months of age. So he was um, very young. But he got four hours a week of services. Um, again, PT, OT, speech and, and a teacher. And his OT had suggested to me that why don't you ask for more OT because it appeared that he had more OT needs. He had the fine motor needs as well as feeding issues and um, sensory needs. And she, you know, that he, that all of his needs as far as what he needed from an occupational therapist couldn't be met in one hour a week. So why didn't I ask for more? And so I began to um, 
request and argue with the people who were doing the zero to three services about this one hour of OT a week. And they kept saying, that's not our model. That's not our model. And our model is that we have the people come out and they show you what to do and, and the parents reinforce it throughout the week. Um, so anyway, we fought over this for, I don't even remember how long now, but in the end I won and I got this extra hour of OT each week. And I was so proud of myself because they told me, um, that no other child in the county was receiving more than one hour of OT a week. Um, so I thought, wow, you know, what a rock star I am. You know, I got my kid these services and it's more than anyone else, any other baby in the entire county. And I live in a large, one of the larger, most densely populated counties in the country. So I was so proud of myself. Um, but, but again, it goes back to that you don't know what you don't know. And looking back, um, it, it's first of all, it's highly unlikely that um, that he was the only kid to ever receive more than one hour a week. Um, but second of all, I wasn't focused on the big picture. I was focused on this one tangible, measurable item. You know, it was very easy to define it and say, I want this and, and you'll know, you know, I would know yes or no if I was getting this. And I wasn't looking at the big picture. And the big picture was that he also has vision issues. Um, and he needed a, an FVA, which is a functional vision assessment, and a whole host of other things going on, um, including behavior issues, which he's not a, a problem in that he doesn't, he's not aggressive or anything like that, but he has a lot of shutdown and task refusal behaviors. So once I started to focus on the big picture, um, as far as getting him an FBA and we got him wraparound behavior health, which is something um, Pennsylvania offers, and he was getting vision instruction and his environment was being modified to accommodate his vision needs, um, that's when we started to see real progress. So when I look back on requesting that extra hour of OT, that was like one thing that I was focused on that I thought would make a difference in my child's life. And I would imagine in my head, because I didn't know, I would imagine that I thought that, you know, one hour of OT versus two hours of OT, I probably assumed that he was going to progress, you know, twice as fast. Of course, that didn't happen. Um, and in fact, he kind of lang languished in, without really any progress at all until we started to modify his environment and accommodate his vision needs and things like that. So you have to focus on the big picture. It's never just one thing. So when parents look at their IEP and they say, well, um, you know, they're, I find so often that they're fighting over a half hour or an hour of services, or they're fighting over, um, and I, and I mean fighting by fighting, I mean like going to battle with the district because a lot of times they don't just, you know, as you know, they don't just hand the stuff over and you have to request and request, um, and go through the process. But fighting over, you know, one or two accommodations as far as um, why won't they let her leave the room to take a test or why won't they let the aide read the test to her instead of having her have to read the test. I find that because it's tangible, it's something that you can measure and you can touch and you can see and you'll know whether or not your child received that. Um but that's not likely 
the only issue you have. I've, I've never met a parent yet. And now I've been to, you know, literally hundreds of IEP meetings with families. Um, I've never met any family who just had one issue on their IEP. It's usually the whole package. It's usually the entire IEP that needs to be overhauled. Um, and if you go to a day in our shoes, that's my website. If you go on there, I, there, you should get a pop-up within about 30 seconds that will ask if you want to do the five-day troubleshooting course, which I will, which I will do in, po- in podcasts as well, but, but I can't send you a printable over a podcast. And if you sign up for the email list, you'll get the printable. Um, but you really have to troubleshoot the whole IEP. Parents often come to me with, um, again, that one issue of, oh, I just want my child to get this. And then the parent has the expectation that if they just secure that one item for their child, things will get better. But usually I find that there are a lot of missing issues, um, in present levels. So either the proper evaluations haven't been done or not all areas of need have been identified and so on. Um, and then, you know, the strategies and supports just aren't there to have the child achieve the goals. But back to that, what's that one thing I would tell parents? It's that these are the cards we were dealt. I would never even, I don't think I'm my worst enemy, would I ever wish anyone um, that they would have to engage in this IEP process. I would never wish the IEP process on anyone because it is so stressful. Um, but the one thing is that it's, it's, this is what we've been dealt. Our kids need IEPs. So that's why we're here. So let's be the best that we can at it. And you have to engage all the time. Um, you wouldn't want your IEP team to only look at your IEP or only think about your IEP once a year at meeting time. So you need to hold yourself to that same standard. Um, And I find that a lot of parents don't even read their IEPs start to finish. You don't have to sit down and do it all at once. But yeah, at some point it it does need to be done because I've done a lot of record reviews for clients. And when I come back to them with this highlighted item and say, well, did you know about this? Or what do you think about this? Um, A lot of times I hear that, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was in there. So you have to engage the whole time. You have to um, develop your own system of progress monitoring and, and stay on top of the school with their system of progress monitoring um, and look at the whole picture from start to finish, from all the areas of need, the goals, the SDIs, the supports and services, related services, therapies, all that stuff. You have to look at the big picture because what I find Nine times out of 10, when I'm with a parent and they're handed a brand new IEP or or a newly revised IEP, right away, you all flip to the back to see what your child's going to get. You know, how many hours a day are they getting pull out? How many hours a week are they getting therapy and so on? And that's really, I get it. That's the tangible stuff. That's, that's the meat and potatoes. And that's the the again it's just I guess it's just because it's that tangible stuff that you you can touch it and see it and and see it going on um but changing any of one of those items in isolation doesn't really fix things you have to be engaged in the entire process um and you know just participate like I said you wouldn't want your team to only think about it during meeting time so you need to engage as, as well and 
there's that, oh, well, why do I have to do this? I don't want to go to IEP meetings. I wish I didn't have to do this. And you know what? We all wish that we didn't have to do this. Um, I would give my right arm to not have to attend more IEP meetings and, and all that. But, but I do. So I owe it to my child to be the best I can at it. So I wish that for you. And, you know, help is out there. This podcast is just one, one resource of many. Um, I'm, there's lots of stuff out there that, that parents don't know about. Um, but if you, you set your mind to it, you too can become an IEP expert. So again, if you want more information, go to adayinourshoes.com or look for us on Facebook. But until then, we'll see you next time.